It's like a state of paranoia. I would never wish on my worst enemy. What was that? I hit record. Oh, you did? <laughs> Just right now. <laughs> before. That's cruel. I. <laughs> we were talking shit on theater people. Yeah. I Okay. I saw. I, I've, got a, <laughs> I've got a story, I suppose. Uh, I attended arts school uh, in my undergrad that I didn't finish because I'm a dropout. And uh, I lived in the arts dorm, which was an experience uh i had a really cool roommate we were just like we would constantly goof off but we had these neighbors like just just like adjacent or across the hall from us that were theater people and they were just so obnoxious oh yeah and i'm sure they thought the same thing about us oh sure but there's like the band nerds who are obnoxious yeah we were just like but there's definitely has like a dramatic flair to it like literally i can um, hear them like <laughs> audibly sigh at each other and shit from our room i was like no way like oh our annoying was like smoking marijuana and listening to led zeppelin and like loud and being asked to turn it down right that was like our <laughs> annoying and i'm sure it was so like, you're basically s- a bunch of 70s teenagers <laughs> yeah seriously we're like yeah no jimmy page shreds man which is he like shreds. true it's that's oh true no information. it's great yeah. Um, now I, I he's just, a big occultist. Okay. And he's also a piece of shit. Oh like, yeah, for he, sure. He is 100% well, he essentially a bonafide like, piece of shit. He like essentially entrapped an a underage 13 year old and took her on the road with yeah. him and shit. So did Jerry Seinfeld, dude. Yeah. There's like a bunch of, there's a lot of problematic no, shit coming out. <laughs> well, and I think that that problematic stuff, uh, is a byproduct of what is condoned and what isn't condoned in arts culture or what's deliberately neglected. Because right. I, let me tell you, like having been in the arts community my whole life and it just being a passion of mine, something I'm really into, I have met some very, very peculiar people yeah. that behaviors were not acceptable at all. And, the, and right. they got pushed under the rug. The, this isn't just peers. Uh, this was people that were revered in the communities that I belong oh, yeah. to. And I uh, mean, like, and I'm not going to name names, but like, and I'm going to stay kind of more vague about it, but you know, there's a really good hardcore band from Idaho that I loved. Um, and, you know, we went to the shows and sang along, and then we learned they're essentially some kind of, like, sexual abuser. Um, it's just, it rips your heart out, you know? Because you think they're supposed to be, sta- like, standing for some some of those principles. And then, like, that's why I'm, like, not surprised anymore when I hear that kind of stuff. Because I'm, like, I know everything I know is a lie. So... I'm just kind of like leaning into it. The there's that book by Don Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements. Have you read it? Uh-uh. I don't remember what they are. It's a short book. I recommend it just if you're wanting to get into some realm of spirituality and you're trying to just dip your toes because it's like maybe 80 pages and it's really simple. It's like these four Aztec principles. One of them, I, it, I'm not going to get into it. Pull the mic just slightly closer. Sure. Like two or three inches closer. How's that? There you go. Did I get it? That's cool. better, yeah. Now, uh, one of them, though, like these four things are supposed to do a dance together. And I'm being relatively vague, but the one that really stuck with me was Don't Make Assumptions. And I took that when I first read that book as uh, don't expect the worst out of people. And the older I've gotten, the more I flip it around. Yeah, don't like, expect the best. Don't expect anything from yeah. people. Don't well, expect it's anything. All, that's another thing, too. It's like a big gray area. 
and like everybody has a shadow aspect and uh, most people don't have it in check and then when they get into powerful positions that shadow really tempts them okay (laughs) i'm gonna put a pin in that because i want to talk in detail about that in a bit sure do you want to start with the first bit sure so now we have a slide outline yeah uh, to help organize our thoughts a little bit we got good feedback on just collecting our thoughts and not to like pull the back of the curtain on the operation but to just be candid one of the things was a little bit more coherence just really sharpens the saw so the first thing that we put here i'm just gonna say it black and white is what magic we've been working on so things that the two of us are comfortable with sharing that we've been doing and we can sound them out to the smallest bits and make them digestible so when we're talking about these occult practices you see a step-by-step process to what it is that we're doing do you want to start you want me to Right, yeah. So the gear of the plague, I sort of fell off my magic practice for a while. I think I let myself get caught up in the attitude of the collective too much. And I, I was, I let it get my hopes down a little bit too much. And by doing so, also my magical practice sort of stagnated a little bit. When uh, you say the collective, what are you talking about specifically? So. There's just an all, just an overall fear and anxiety. Um, the head of it is like, I guess the face of it is COVID, but it's just a general fear and anxiety. Um, and so when I see that, uh, you know, on news sources and like, you know, I have a bunch of friends who get so riled up and so panicked and uh, I sort of let myself get swept up in that feeling um so one of the latest things um was just to get my affirmations back in line because i mean i even lapsed in doing them normally i read them at a minimum every morning um if there's something i want really bad i'll do a morning night thing but uh without going into too much detail when you say written down affirmations what's the general idea of those of the ones I've written or the general ideas of affirmation? Both. Okay. So, and we talked a little bit last time, but um, affirmation initially came out of a new thought. Um, I believe his name was, I think, Amelia Coué. Um believe he was French. It's, it's been a while since I've read about it. Um, it was sort of like hypnosis adjacent, but he uh, went around doing lectures in Europe in the 1800s where he espoused basically repeating to yourself every day. It, it was, I, I think his affirmation was every day in every way I'm getting better and better. I have heard this. Yeah. Um, that's sort of like the modern route to like what we know today in the West as an affirmation. Um, I think he was what well, I. I'm sorry because it's just been a while since I've read about it, but I think he was per, okay received in Europe, and he tried to do some tours in America, and I think he was just laughed and gawked at. It could have been one or the other way around. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly, but 
Um, so an affirmation is, and uh, Napoleon Hill called it auto-suggestion as well. I mean, it's it, you're basically programming your subconscious mind to do shit for you. Um, so, like, I have affirmations for safe driving. Um, I have affirmations for, like, social situations. Um, gosh, why can't I think of specifics? I know one... that I'm employing from Napoleon Hill is the statement is, uh, like by a certain date, I shall have this amount of money in exchange for this money. I'll do these things. Um, and you, I mean, you repeat them to yourself and they become really potent once you do it, you know, especially hundreds of times. Um, you're, you sort of just stop consciously thinking about it. And, uh, your subconscious mind sort of takes over the reins of it and just automatically because the subconscious can't tell fact from fiction anything it's given through your window of consciousness it takes as a fact um so when it hears these affirmations over and over and over again it strives to make it true in reality um, some of my affirmations that i can remember off the top of my head are like my body is healthy and comfortable like, uh, my skin is healing up, my, um, my mental health is constantly improving, um, and Mitch Horowitz talks about, um, I know there's like a debate between writing it either in future tense or present tense, um, and he made a pretty good case that it doesn't matter as long as you get the feeling, like if it makes you feel good and it makes you feel, it feel like attainable, you can be like, I will do this, I will do that, or I have this, I have that. Because it's the words aren't that important, it's the feeling behind it that's important. Um, so anyway, I just I hadn't been doing my affirmations or like um and I wanted to move. We wanted to move into a better place. So this was like back in November. I wrote down a list of all of the qualities that I wanted in a new apartment, like two bedroom, two bathroom, decent location. It was under a certain price point, allows dogs, all of that. Um, and I started, I, I don't know. I think cause I've done this for so long before it sort of reactivated that part of me. And I mean, I manifested it in like two or three weeks. Um, and it was like $3 under my dollar amount for, for like the monthly limit that I wanted to pay. Internet's free. That was another one. Internet had to be good. Internet's free with this apartment and it's, it, it's a really good data rate. Um, and then other than that, my most recent working, uh, one of them was actually today. Um, I, I'm finally set up in the new apartment to where I was able to, you know, I did a, a ritual to basically ask the spirits of this place to like invite me and like make our living here conducive. Um, hopefully it could be like a co, uh, 
co-beneficial arrangement. Um, I gave frankincense incense, which smells great. Oh, I'm still smelling it. It's like in the fabric um, as an offering. Um, I did some other invocations and all of that. Uh, Yeah, that's that's what I've been working on lately. (laughs) That's <laughs> what about you? That's a really good list. Uh, <laughs> I, I also like one of the things about your magic that I th- is very relatable is how practical it is. Oh, it's it's like you're very nuts and bolts. It, it's practical, almost probably to like a fault. It, I'm like, I want like measurable results, like which is kick ass. Like what, one thing that I did want to add to <laughs> before I start talking about mine is. Uh, first of all, I just want to say in in this podcast we are huge Mitch Horowitz stands. Like, oh I yeah, love Mitch. Uh, I like his books are just so black and white for me personally. Like, I just listened to him narrate his own book, and I, I like I'm just getting like hyped about myself. Yeah. He like don't even know me. But yeah. he's like lifting me up to well, like figure my thing out. And I think he's thought about, I mean, he's put so much thought into it before he sort of came out as like a full blown occultist and new thought author. Right. That he had a lot of his philosophy and ideology fleshed out. And I think he put a lot of effort. I mean, he really carefully selects his words. And, you know, when he's on podcasts, he pauses after a question and then just he really speaks very eloquently really good speaker Um, i agree i'm very like jealous of that ability but he's honed it and he deserves it you know what i wanted to bring up in regards to mitch though is when we're talking about these manifestations there's so many names for them but we all i i believe this in my heart that we all inherently do this it's more about be becoming more in tune with how we do this and choosing to manipulate it into a way that is the most honest to ourselves, which sounds counterintuitive when we're talking about ourselves. And then we use the phraseology of manipulation. But the reason that I use that word specifically is because we have to actively become aware of what it is that we desire. And that takes energy. I mean, it takes energy to become conscious of it. I've been looking into new thought stuff. I mean, one of the catalysts was reading the secret back in like 2012 and ever since then. And, you know, I went through a lot of bullshit stuff, but also a lot of legitimate stuff. That book was criticized so hard because it was on, it was an Oprah's book club. It look as far as hot shit goes, it's definitely piping, but it's a window. Like I I think it's a window for people. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, what I would say is a very narrow minded approach to occult practices. It's without it's, realizing itself. I, th- I it's believe. the most watered down. Yeah. It might as well um, just be like, it's like the Christianity of new. Thought. Well, it's <laughs> those practices are barely even potent. Well, too, they're, dog- I, yeah, I they're dogmatic. Um, and it's like, you have to jump through this hoop to get this. And then you have to jump through this hoop to get this. Right. Uh, regarding the magic though, when, sorry, what were you saying before? No, you're fine. (laughs) Don't even worry. I'm talking about Mitch because one of the things that I wanted to encourage from my own experience is, uh, try it on, uh, as far as present or future tense. Uh, yeah, I I have, have and I've done both. 
And I've had success with both. I will say that. I had a phenomenal English teacher when I was in high school. She was just well beyond her years and was good at teaching. And one of the, one day in class, she says to me, uh, we're talking about something that's due. And I have always been guilty of living in a procrastination mindset when I'm doing something for someone else. If I'm viewing it from that vantage point and, and quite frankly, homework at school was for someone else. If I didn't want to do it, I still view education that way. If I have no desire to comprehend the material that you're trying to educate me with, that is me giving my energy to you to arbitrarily prove my comprehension. Okay. So this teacher said something really interesting to me. She was like, I know that you're a procrastinator and I think that you try to avoid being a procrastinator and vicariously you fail because you're trying to be something. Yeah. You're not. And so she like said, insomnia. she literally said, put it off until the last minute. Like I had my senior English teacher tell me, put this off to the last minute because you work well under the last minute. Yeah. Stop trying to make it something you're not. And now there, I, I do want to deadlines. share a yeah. similar anecdote. I had another really good, I've had so many good educators in my life uh, and they're just, they're saint like, but I had a, a, a music educator in my undergrad um, who told me the story about when the uh, Buddhism wave happened in the seventies, eighties in Portland and Seattle. So you had a lot of these folks from the East coast that were moving over to Seattle, Portland, and then the hippie movement happened and they were all really focused into like the Bhagavad Gita and like Buddhism and all these things. And it was great, but they were really trying to colonize it and commodify it. So they were like, Hey, how do we take this and kind of make it whatever we want it to be? And they were losing it a little bit. And this, uh, this monk, uh, this Buddhist monk had come to Oregon, was doing a Q&A with a translator. He only spoke uh, here. He didn't speak English either. I don't know what language it was. He was speaking Tibetan, I'm sure. But uh, this gentleman from the East Coast raises his hand. And with this really thick accent, he goes, you know, I'm so fucking angry all the time. And I see you up there all happy. And I'm trying to be happy like you, and I just can't get there. And it drives me nuts. It makes me more mad. Like, why can't I just do it the way you're doing it? I want to be that person. Why can't I? And the translator is, like, saying this to the monk. And the, and the translator is waiting for the monk to respond. And the monk puts his hands up with a smile on his face and stands. He wants to respond to this person individually. And he looks at him. And from across the aisle, he says, I am happy Buddha. You are angry Buddha <laughs> be angry Buddha. Yeah. And I, so this comes back to yeah. when we're talking about magic, when we're talking about reality, I think that this is something that is, I don't think this is something that's true. No matter what vantage you want to look at it from is when you're choosing to be honest with yourself, which is remarkably uncomfortable. Yeah. It's difficult. you, your reality shifts in front of you. Like if you want to literally change your life, it starts by having those honest and difficult conversations Yeah, and going into the magic. What I've been doing, there's a couple things for me that are the most potent in regards to magic. And I'm just going to list them out and then I'll go into detail. First one for me, my bread and butter is meditation. Uh, I find a lot of clarity from meditation. Uh, I find a lot of peace from meditation. I also find a lot of humor from meditation. And I feel like that's something that's not discussed a lot, but I've noticed a that. lot of, a lot of, uh, meditators that are well known throughout history, especially within the 20, 19th, 20th century. 
uh, they were very humorous. And I think there's something that happens. I've experienced it in and out. It fluctuates for sure. Cause I am such a novice when it comes to meditation, no matter how much I practice, which is, I, I love being a beginner yeah. still. Uh, there comes a place when I'm meditating where I start to see fractal patterns. Mm. I start to see that room that you go to in a DMT trip where you're just in the singularity and everything's like polarized to the center and it's a vortex, but everything is everything within this vortex and it's manifesting out infinitely. I go to this place in my meditation, uh, but I can only observe it from my peripheral consciousness. I can't, if I try to think about it, it disappears from in front of me. Interesting. Now, the reason I bring this up is because when I get there, everything that I'm worried about and by everything, I mean everything that I'm worried about, everything that I'm happy about, everything I'm anxious for, everything I'm excited for, it dissolves into nothing. That's what happens for me. And the one thing that I can feel is love. And it's so potent and pure and just like in my face that I just start laughing. And uh, that, I, I mean, I've also had that experience in psychedelia where I've like crossed over. I've what they say in the psychonaut community is they call it like flip, flipping over or blast off, blasting off from the waiting room. Yeah. It's where you're like, Oh shit. I definitely did something to my brain. Yeah. And like, you oh, go to no. a different place. <laughs> yeah. You go to a different place and you're like, and it's like, you're trying to oh, buckle like up ketamine. and you keep grabbing at your seatbelt, keep <laughs> grabbing at your seatbelt. There's no seatbelt. Like not only is there no seatbelt, but you're not in a car. You're not even in a spaceship. You're just like floating around in space. You're like, oh, yeah. I need to find some way You're to ground. And it's, you can't. Yeah. At that point. Now, the reason that I, <laughs> talking about it is like so overwhelming, but at the same time, there's so much majesty to it because you want to talk about d- letting go of who I think I am and instead becoming who I, who I am supposed to be. Uh, that's, th- now I'm getting a little bit lost here. The, the first piece is meditation there. And, and the reason I bring that up first is because of what it affects next my second thing that I really actively work on is shadow work, is shadow integration, discovery of the shadow. This is a Jungian principle, but a lot of magicians use this. Uh, they talk about it in Hinduism a pretty healthy amount. I'm not as well versed with the uh, Indian uh, vocabulary regarding it, but what the shadow is, according to Jung, is that uh, we aren't inherently good or bad. We just are. This is Jung's belief, and what we do is we... Is, suppress this bad thing that we think we are and we only try to celebrate what we think is the good thing and the more that we suppress the bad thing the less of our good thing that we have so instead you explore that bad thing you push it to its fringes of your consciousness of your psyche yes and not only do you acknowledge it you celebrate it and you integrate it it's not one of those things like there's a there's a buzz phrase in psychology and in counseling that i cannot stand and that is like getting over or moving past or uh, yeah. like that is yeah. in my opinion and in my lived experience, your mileage may vary. That's not real. Uh, like, right. Cause yeah. it's, that's the other thing with like when I've like fallen in love before, it's, like it's I've, an acceptance of it. It's a, when you do and integrate like those traumas, I mean, I guess you, one way to work through it, if it's like trauma specifically is like, retelling the story and putting it in the past so it no longer affects your future but it's not necessarily denying that it happened right the uh what i wanted to add to that what well, just a quick aside is like being in love for me is a channel that you establish with another person 
And once that channel is open, it doesn't close. Life just changes, right? So that channel, for, yeah. and this is my lived experience. I'm, I'm not suggesting for anybody else this is true, but anyone that I have ever loved, I still do. The capacity is different. The energy, right. the energy may be different, but it's still familiar. And the reason I bring that up is, again, it comes back to this idea of shadow work for me, is what we choose to define as good or bad in our psyche is all... A yeah. construct. It's all a construct. Yeah. Whether or not it's built out of like our psychological state, or if it's built out of uh, social implications yeah. or cultural implications, I think it can do a dance between those things interchangeably. But uh, we have to sit down and have that conversation with right. ourselves as to what it is that we like about ourselves, what it is that we don't like about ourselves, and then instead of going like, "Well, I don't." want to be this thing than running away from it. And, yeah. and something that I see in our culture that is hyper dangerous, hyper dangerous, not acknowledged as dangerous is, uh, a byproduct of the fat shaming culture, uh, where like the exercise people. And I remember seeing these commercials when I was a kid, it was like for like the ab flex or bow flex yeah, or whatever yeah. bullshit, you Total know? Jam. And it's like on the left, this is Jeff R from Des Moines, Iowa. This fat sack of shit and then it's like on the right he's down to 195 and it's like and obviously a different guy well okay so so <laughs> that in and of itself that is like just so dysmorphic and gross and wrong but the thing is like wh what i'm getting at when is when you shun that person that you once were you bring them to life in a way that is yeah. nasty like yeah if you don't Refuse want to be to that acknowledge. person anymore you need to love that person yeah because that's what they need. Otherwise, order, they're always going to be there with you. In, in order to change into the person that you want. Right. They and need the love that they aren't getting. Exactly. And, I mean, it comes back to that old adage, we receive the love that we think we deserve. Right. And so it's like, at this point, you're, like, trying to lose weight. You're trying to do these things. And I know that this is, like, so, like frustrating for the people that have experienced this. Like I've, I've been in a similar situation and it's like, yeah, me too. And it's like, then you like arrive physically but spiritually, you're like, well, thank God I'm not that vagabond. And it's right. like, yeah. oh, come on, dude. Well, like, take that's on, so cruel. You take on, I think, the beliefs of the people around you. So, like, yes. you believe you can't be fat or you believe you can't have acne. Um, and so you just you apply those criticisms to yourself and then you work so hard to overcome it. I mean, like, I've gained and lost, you know, it wasn't like morbid obesity, but, you know. It was chubby, like not a place that I wanted to be. Sure. Um, gained and lost it like twice. And the problem is when you lose it, well, now there's something else to criticize if you haven't resolved that. Oh, for sure. Like well, you're that... still self-criticizing for not being good enough for one reason or the other. So <laughs> I, I wrote this poem one time and basically the sentiment was my happiness is always right around the corner. Right. And once I've turned that corner, yeah. there's just another corner. Yeah. And it's like, it's, I have been guilty of this before in like so many different incarnations and experiences, which is one of those things that I'm like not even mad at myself about. It's just like interesting when you go back and think about it and then you realize where you are and you're like, aha, like I'm yeah. still here. I'm yep. still spinning on yep. this giant organic spaceship well, we call earth. With magic, I've manifested several things that I've wanted in my life. Things that I wouldn't even have thought possible. Um, like money stuff or physical appearance stuff. Um, and I know there's something wrong because when I get it, I was still 
not happy. Okay, so uh, so you don't even have to be in a good mood for magic to work, by the way. Right. Well, and <laughs> that's that's part of the thing of like be careful what you wish for. Yeah. And I yeah. think about that a lot when I'm doing manifestation work because the last the last thing that I do in my magic is what that we in the magic community we call sigil work. And mm. I'm going to give a quick description of what this is. Um, and I like to use this analogy. Uh, every person who's ever written their name down on a piece of paper has created a sigil. A sigil is a yeah. physical body that you conjure or procure, you create, that is symbolic to a thought. Yeah. Or a de- an ideal. I'm just going to leave thought, it at thought. Desire. It's something yeah. in the conscious state yeah. that you bring to the physical plane. So, like, I write down my name, Matthew Tanaka. That is a sigil that is symbolically me reifying and saying to the world and to myself in celebration. Yeah. This is me labeling your spirit right now. When we do sigil work in the magic community, we're being a little bit more specific. We're creating basically these symbols that when we look at them, it's like when we see our name, except for we look at that symbol and there is a desire or a manifestation attached or or a concept. Yes. Construct. Uh, One, one I can just say like really black and white was I, and I talked about this before, but I said, not only the address of where I was going to live in Salt Lake city, but where I was going to work. Yeah. And I said how much money I was going to make. Yep. And I, and the thing that was crazy was like, I would do this thing where I would practice. I would say it out loud to myself in public. I'd say it out loud to myself in private. I would tell people that it had already happened. I would tell people that it had already happened. Yeah. And I lived in the present moment that I knew I knew and believed that that was the case. Okay. Then before all of these things in my life that I have now, there was a bunch of turbulence where like I flummoxed for like a four or five day period that things fell apart. And I was like, did I like not believe enough or what? Especially when you put in a lot of energy to specific things. It was so fucking theatrical. If they, if they require, if what you're asking for is a big difference from your life right now, it will require some kind of chaos and turbulence. Yes. It's, Sometimes you might go through something heartbreaking it, absolutely. for it to happen. Absolutely. And I'm speaking from experience. It's, <laughs> it, it can just be, yeah. And that's, totally. the, that's the other, be careful what you wish for. Right. And, and okay, so this comes back to really when we are saying what magic we've been working on. The other thing that I really want to invite is this discussion about the elephant in the room when we talk about occultism, especially in, like we've been taught this from a young age empirically is that magic can be dangerous and I'm the first person to say that it can totally be dangerous. Yeah. Um, it's definitely use at your own risk because I mean, I have screwed up before people can get hurt. (laughs) Relationships can get hurt. Yes. I mean, if you're asking for a large sum of money and if you forget to put out an intention with it, that it harms none and helps all or something. Maybe, maybe someone in your family dies and you inherit something. Yes. You have to be so, yeah. and this comes back to this idea of being honest with yourself is being really direct with your speech. Yes. Really, very. really direct with your speech. So when you say it, you mean it. And when you mean it, you know it. And when you know yeah. it, it's a part of who if you are. You, you got to get to a point where if you say it, it is like the will of God, right? Like you have to be, you have to cultivate your speech to be very definite and uh, also that your speech is actually binding. And what that means is if you make a commitment, like a verbal commitment to someone, 
you have to keep it because it adds power to your own speech. That is an incantation in and of itself. Like when somebody asks you, <laughs> like if you make plans with somebody and this is not to shame anyone, but I'm just being black and white here. If you make plans with somebody, you both have this agreement that this thing is occurring and then you don't, you don't follow through with on your end. Now I'm not saying you bail and right. it falls apart. I'm saying you don't communicate and you selfishly make decisions by yourself yeah. when you're in an entanglement with or, another person. Or you decide last minute that you don't feel up to it. The repercussions of that very thing can be very hard on your spirit. Uh, one of the yeah. experiences that I had myself is in uh, sacrifice. One of the things that I love to offer up in my magic is fasting. Uh, it's a very personal spiritual experience. It always has been since I first ever tried it. And I really incorporated it into my magic. It's miserably wild and it will make things happen quick. I mean, we're talking like fast, no, no pun intended. Um, but you have to be careful that you follow through with what it is you tell yourself you're doing. Yep. Because I have told myself I was going to fast for X amount of time before and not followed through. And then I received what I was looking for, even though I fasted, but the turbulence to get there was miserable. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. Um, so I think I, I truly think I subscribe to idealism and that's just where everything is mental. The all are the one, the one or the all we're all like, consciously connected and everything is conscious and through that we can have things like animism and spirits and whatnot i agree so that was just a real quick quick rundown but (laughs) so like if you in magic you can there are ways to contact entities and you essentially make an agreement with them they're like hey you know you if you cause this to happen you know and maybe you set a time frame like within a year or whatever then I will pay you this, like either upfront or like upon delivery or like half now, half later. I mean, it's like, it's a bargaining. Um, when they make that happen, um, cause I've had events happen in my life that were like, I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> and I had to give, I made a pretty big, uh, offering commitment for it. And I'm talking like, expensive like liquor and beer and stuff but i knew i had to pay it back because the blowback if you don't would be horrendous upon you because whatever those entities are whether like you created it through your belief or if they're objectively real in some way they will come knocking yes um i've had them i take uh oral ketamine for my depression um, I've had the shots too, but uh, I was on oral ketamine one day and one of these entities came through loud and clear and reminded me cause I, I had forgot to pay after they delivered and it was like, pay up bitch. Like <laughs> it wasn't, and you know, it wasn't like menacing or it wasn't even scary. Cause like, I forgot about that event and I was like, you're right. So like I paid, I paid up the offering. I think it was that day. I really like to drive the point home that when we talk about these entities and we will get to the point that we start to talk about angels and archangels, and this yeah. is like really nuanced. Uh, when I think of these things, and this is a, a teaching of Damien Eccles, who is another person that I really admire yeah. in the occult community. You want to talk about like really black and white 
education, mm-hmm. please do yourself the favor of yeah. getting his literature. Read High Magic. High Magic is phenomenal. It's black and white, and it has uh, just praxis in it. Yeah. It, so the first half of it is like a testimonial, like that's pretty pretty honest and to the point. Yeah. And then the second half is practical application. Yep. And and so you get exactly you get more than your money's worth from it. Oh, I, yeah. I I still use techniques specifically well, from that book. He consolidates and me too, but he consolidates a ton of uh basically like golden dawn high magic, but he distills it into a way that's much easier to work with. His than, metaphor is really pretty. Yeah. It's very it's very Americana. Yeah, it's less like use. It. So Damien and this this ties into what I was getting at before. But the way that Damien Eccles views occultism uses the tradition of folklore of America, like Americana folklore versus British folklore. And while the, they have relatives in those communities, I'm talking about the two folklores. Americana folklore is something that I really resonate with. And so yeah. when he's teaching you occultism through Americana folklore, it just happens pretty quick. Yeah. The, and the point that I wanted to get at was I personally don't see these beings, these entities with physical bodies. I yeah. like I, I perhaps I. I could perhaps I could. But what I'm really doing is creating a symbol in my mind of a thought pattern that I'm giving energy to. So I call it a celestial body personally. Like it's a channel of energy that I am being a conduit for. And I have to, in order to receive that in its full capacity, I have to participate in what it is that I signed up for. So you have to go through the whole, whole nine of whatever it is that you sign yourself up for. Yeah. Especially if you do those kinds of high magic practices. Yes. And so the other, the like with sigil work and we're going to get more into the details of this, but I I've had some really simple ones like, and when they happen, something that I love to do personally is like the, cause I, I draw these on like black pieces of paper. I draw them with like a silver Sharpie. Yep. And then so I. I took that idea from Jordan. Actually, I yeah. saw one of his and I was like, Poser, oh, that's, that's mine now. It. That's mine now. Yep. No, I no, stole that's... it. I stole it from G- Gordon white. And that's black with gold pen. And that's literally so, that. And, and he, <laughs> it's, it's to give it sort of a dramatic flair, which might entice your subconscious maybe yes. a little bit more. I mean, who knows if it's actually more efficacy, but no, it's but in the ceremony. It's like the pageantry right. of what you're putting into it. I, yeah, I, I am a jazz musician, like by hobby, I suppose at this point, it's just something I've really enjoy is jazz music. Um, and in, in jazz music, there's this tradition of, I heard this guy play this thing. I'm going to learn how to do that thing. I'm going to learn how to do it in all 12 keys. Yeah. And now that I know how to do that thing, then I you understand can integrate it yes. with what you already know. And, and then you make it yours. Yeah. They call it like the three steps. The three steps of art in jazz music, they call it. The first one is imitation. So you hear someone you really like, you learn everything that they did. You know, like yeah. I heard the first time I heard Miles Davis, I was like, yeah, I, I th- this shit's sick. Like I want to learn this stuff. Okay. Then the second is called emulation. And that's where you get into the weeds with like their personality. Like you're figuring out why it is that they do that. Okay. And then the third step is innovation. And that's where you learned all of these things so that you can forget them and become what you are with your influence. Now I think about this a lot in magic, especially with like the idea of chaos magic. I just want to say sure with that. There's like that adage. There's nothing new under the sun. All pretty much anything is, is you take what's existing and you mix it together and you make something seemingly new 
but it was out of the stuff that already existed. And that is, I now I would like nothing was neither created nor destroyed. I would go to say, and I actually want to come back to this, like what the definition of art is. Right. Let me get through the end of this, and yep. then I want to talk about that, and that's a really appropriate segue. But uh, when I'm done with a sigil, and by that I mean like I feel it in my body. I've prayed about it in my capacity, how I how I personally pray, and I've received a confirmation that this sigil work that I've done is complete. I hang on to those sigils personally. I hang mm. on to them and I catalog them. That's actually pretty cool. And so I have sigils that I can put in my hand that have worked. Yeah. And that lights me up because I have magic that I'm working through right now. And quite frankly, I'm not going into detail about right. it just because it hasn't happened. And I, part of me loves the, the, I don't want to use theatrics because I opened to this by saying how much I don't like theater people. Um, <laughs> but like there's something about the ceremony of keeping something a secret in magic. That's really yeah. cool. And it does create energy when yes. you're the only person that knows about it and it makes it really sacred. So I can lose faith in what I'm doing when I'm not receiving exactly the sigils completion the way that I want. And so to just go back and hold these sigils that have yeah. worked tangibly in my hands, it it's just, it's a total morale boost. And, and uh, in a similar way, so I don't actually keep the sigils, but what I do do huh, is I keep a catalog of all the sigils that I've shoaled for the approximately the last three years in like a Google drive and I put them away. So I do my shoal, put it away, never look at it again because that's another magic secret. Is I want to give forgetting. you a pause really quick yeah. and let's define shoaling. Um, just before we go right. further from there, shoaling, I'm just going to be quick. This is a Gordon White term that we've both yeah, used. Rune soup. Rune soup. Thank you. Uh, so shoaling in its principle, it's this idea of a school of fish in the ocean and how they choose to move as a body creates this energy, like the way that they're thinking together, they get this collective consciousness and they move with absolute confidence. So like when fish shoal in the ocean, they just move in a direction and they do it without any, yep. any doubt in their minds, their confidence level as fish, like they move in this big body so that predators won't get them. Now shoaling in sigil work is, finding a sacred number for yourself. Like I love the number seven. That's a number that I use a lot. A lot of people like four um, and making that many sigils and activating them all together. I do. I always vary. I, I never have the same number of sigils. I love that. Yeah. It's just what I feel that I want to bring into reality at that moment. So it's like, like a list. Yeah. So it's like you're orchestrating reality. Yeah. You're like, I want these, like, let's say three things to happen in sequence yeah. Or rather simultaneously even. Yeah. Because when we're talking about them all present, they are all happening. So it's simultaneous. Yep. And because we have these multiple things that we're trying to change our reality into, it gives it power because it's a large body that's not susceptible to spiritual or energetic predators. Anyway. Yep. Yeah, you're good. Um, so like with my shoaling, so which is, you know, my list of sigils, you know, whether it be like three to, I mean, I've done like 20 at once. Um, Damn. <laughs> uh, That's healthy. I, I just keep track, you know, the date that I launched them, and I'll go back. This is, and I'll read through some of them, and you know, stuff can take from days to years to manifest. Uh, but I mean, like the hit rate on this stuff is like unbelievable. It is um, unbelievable, and like it's that's one reason why a lot of uh, people who teach magic suggest that you keep a magical journal, is because. Number one, you write down what you did so you can remember 
what was really potent for you in your exper experimentation. And also, you what do didn't it again. work. What? Also, what didn't work. Right. I think that's a and what didn't thing work. So you, so you can discard it. The other thing is when you go back and you read through it, and then you consciously remember results, and you're like, "Oh my god!" It's it's a way to convince yourself of the reality of it, and then like the more you believe it, the better it works. Yep. So it's like a roll. It's a it's a stone rolling down the hill kind of thing, um, gaining momentum and kind of polishing itself. And I don't want to burn the popcorn on this topic. Uh, this is my last bit about this. And then I just wanted to touch on how it is you launch sigil, because I think that's important. Yeah. Cause I think yep. there's, go ahead. I think I don't think we've talked about people that in yet. our audience are going to go, okay, I want to do this. What do I need to do? And right. Launching is the most yep. fun part in my opinion. Um, Christmas time, this most recent one, I had so many life events that were happening in, in culmination together. And one of them was this, uh, it was like a very Capricornian financial discipline era. Like I was living on rice and beans and beans and rice. Like I had never done before. It was like even more stringent than when I was a college student. It was, and this was part of the offering I was making to right. make this reality that I wanted to have happen, happen. But I, I, uh, my mom and my brother, I really wanted to get them Christmas gifts and I wanted to be thoughtful with them. But financially I was in a spot that I was like, I can't do this. So finally I just sat down one day and I was like, I don't care that I can't fucking do this. I'm writing this down with intention and I'm going to make it happen. And I wrote down exactly what I got my mom and my brother for Christmas. And I was like, I'm going to make this happen. I remember looking at it and I was like, financially, there's no way I am going to make this happen. There's no scenario where I financially make this happen. Yeah, I did it. That is awesome. I did it. I, and and it was like... I didn't know you did that. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I, I don't think I actually told anybody. It was like... That's this, great. I'm like... so just, just a little like anecdote about me, I suppose, is like I'm very difficult like when it comes to giving someone a gift. Oh, me too. I am so bad at it. I just and forget. And that's one of my things. I suppose I do I'm that. I'm so like in my head. And then like when I do think about it, oh, dude, like I just don't know what they want. Interesting. And I get so like up in arms about it. I'm like, what am I going to get? Oh, interesting. And mine stems from like a childhood. Like this is a piece of my shadow that I've really been like addressing is uh, this childhood inclination that I've always had of like when it, when it, pardon me, when it comes to the physical world, like me, 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 like in, in the sense of like narcissism, like I want to be stuffed physically by the physical plane. So like, why would I get someone else a gift when right. I could like eat a golden corral three times in one day? Now I'm, I'm yeah. joking, but like, this is like the mindset yeah. that I've, and had I've been like, there too. And so that was like something for me. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. Cause I'm still yeah. definitely a work in progress. It's I it's love, I love that I'm still a work in progress, but that was something for me that I was like, I am jumping through this hoop and no one is going to stop me. And so writing that down and like the thing was like on Christmas day, I was like stressing out about it. Cause I was like, oh, are they going to like this? Like, yeah. And it ended up being one of the best Christmases, if not the best Christmas I've had wow. in my adult life. That's great. It was like a really special moment. And I like, need to do that next time. The response that I received from, or like the, uh, like magic that I received from that, like the emotional and the, yeah. the positive mental health edification. Well, dude, you just, can't, you when, can't put a price on that. that. You can't describe it. Um, and it's like just one of those paradox when you give, you get, um, and it's like roads open for you, you know, when you donate yes. a little bit, especially to causes that you like fully support, you know, and, um, you can give with 
an expectation that you're going to get a little bit. I know some people are like, you have to give and not expect anything in return. And I think, you know, why not? Like you can do both. You can have a healthy, good exchange with the universe. Yeah. Like, Hey, I'm going to help these people out. Could you help me out? Open some roads. Yeah. That's fine. Or you can just give because you like to. Yeah. I think you can be thinking both Um, those things at the same time too. Yeah. Like I'm going to give this thing out to the universe. I don't expect anything in return, but if I do, that's neat. If I don't, I'll, I'll figure it out. Like I, I used well, to be the, so binary with, with uh, charity. It's I would the, be uh, gift economy theory. <laughs> oh yeah. If everyone gives to each other, you just, all you do is lift each other up. All you do is pay yeah. for someone's drink at Starbucks. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But like I do. Or donate to donate to the Linux foundation. I refuse That's what I do sometimes. <laughs> to receive the Starbucks giving chain at Starbucks. And I nip it in the bud because that's socialism. And I <laughs> have no interest in that liberal agenda. We're ain't no Pico <laughs> pinko red. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, For those, uh, <laughs> when it comes to launching a sigil, uh, <laughs> This is a pretty ambiguous topic. There's some really weird things that people do, in my so, opinion. And and that's fine. That's fine. What it's I want to do style. after you sure. do yours is I want to go over Gnosis, because I actually recently went over that. Cool. So Okay, so one of the things that I do to launch a sigil, I'm going to just be really black and white with my procedure. I contemplate what it is that I want to do. I formulate what it is that those intents are. I write them down. I write those down as a rough draft. I revise the verbiage. I revise it again. I make sure that the verbiage is exactly what I'm trying to say. That, my friends, is, in my opinion, the most important part. Do not be afraid to be very specific. Extremely. Like, we're talking, like... Dates, Suck the life out of it. It's so specific. Like... Yeah. Like, you're thinking right now in your head, like, okay, I've got an idea of how specific that is. Dial that up a little bit. Or don't. There's some people... There's some people that do... Try both. Yeah. Try it. Yeah. But definitely... Put it to the test. Because I know some people that do ambiguous magic. Like, they'll, like, think of... Well, and I do. They'll think of a color concept. They'll be like, I'm thinking of the color purple. And they will launch sigils off of that concept of the color. Yeah. And they'll be like, I want to shift my consciousness from a state of yellow to a state of purple. Now, that's dense. That's so yeah, sick. That's, that's so sick. That requires a level of discipline and um, yeah. creativity and imagination that I think you have to exercise yeah. personally. I would love to get to a point where I'm exploring like that. That's actually a dream of mine. But yeah. um, when it comes to launching a sigil for me personally, I've written these things down. I then draw symbols in accordance to them. Now, this is kind of where I break away from the esoteric concept of sigil because uh, what I first learned when I first started studying the occult is you take the root word of your intent, you get rid of all the vowels in that word, and then you draw a symbol with those last consonants in that word. You use them to create a symbol. Yeah. That's look, if that's your thing, that's great. Like be creative as however you want. Um, I have my own style. I, uh, my own style. um, my own way of uh, making my sigils, and that really resonates with yeah. me. So I'm as long as whatever picturesque. symbol you're making represents the concept and entirely. It's honest, yes, because um, I've done both. My main method is that method. Um, I think partially because I have a hard time. You're actually, saying the consonant, yeah, the vowel removal. Yeah. This is actually because I have a hard time mentally picturing things, so it's hard for me to be art- more artistic with it. I have done it. Like I've drawn pictures of stuff that represents, but it's like very very not 
It's like a three-year-old drawing. Now, when this um, is done, I put personally, I put all my sigils out in front of me. I put my hands above it. Like I'm trying to heat my hands off of a wood burning stove ooh. in February. And I sit there until I get my head in that space that I feel steam coming off of the sigils. I make myself feel an energy that I'm creating in my mind. Now, is this real? Is it not real? Don't really matter as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But what you're trying to do to your is, yes, you are doing a dance with the unconscious mind. And you're, you're not only convincing, you're living in this moment of reality that is real. Okay. And then once I feel that energy, I personally, I say a prayer and then I give up an offering. That's how I launch a sigil. Um, I also like love taking a shower after I yeah. after I've done all of the sigil work and I've launched them. I take a shower. I I'm gonna jump ahead just really quick and say I also do. Uh, I tend to do a middle pillar ritual after I've launched my sigils because I get flummoxed, like emotionally overwhelmed after sigil work a majority of the time. So I need a middle pillar ritual to cleanse my body. And then, yeah. and then I feel really clean. Um, so that's how I launch a sigil. Yeah. You want to explain and how And look you? that up uh, if you don't know what middle pillar is. I mean, there's we instructions. There. We will get there. Cause we'll get there eventually. Yeah. I don't know this episode or some future, but um, I mean, there's it's, instructions all over the internet. Yes. You look just... Uh, I, I do want to make a pitch really quick. Damien Eccles, high magic, his explanation of the middle pillar ritual. Best thing I have ever seen better than any YouTube video explanation, better than any other. This is my opinion. His yeah. middle pillar explanation kicks ass. So I, and that's in high magic, right? So how, how do you launch your system? So I've done several methods. Um, so first off, I kind of want to go over gnosis a little bit. Uh, as defined by Phil Hine in Condensed Chaos. Um, so to launch, basically to do any magic in Chaos Magic, there's a theory that you have to reach Gnosis, and that's where there are absolutely no barriers between your conscious mind and your sub and unconscious mind. So whatever you essentially observe or think about or your intent goes shoots straight into the subconscious into the unconscious and then therefore it can be manifested with no without your conscious mind getting in the way by trying to analyze it or put definitions or terms onto it um, in condensed chaos there are two forms of gnosis that they that uh, phil specifically points out um they might have also gone over it in libernal but i can't remember um one is the excitatory method. The other is the inhibitory method. And to go over that real quick, excitatory is, I mean, you can create sigils or whatever, create a servitor, do a spell, do an invocation. And to get to that point of gnosis, you, you do something that excites your uh, nervous system. So, something like dancing or like panting or you get into like in yoga what's called like a death pose which is like really uncomfortable and by the time you collapse from like exhaustion like and you're like in a heightened kind of agitated state you know like laughing yelling chanting singing I, the um, the root word of this and this is something i didn't even realize yeah. that i do i i remember having this discussion with you for me personally, when I'm launching a sigil, I need the energy in the room to be a bit provocative. Mm. Now, the reason I say that is, and I think I know where we're going next with this, is what I mean by provocative is like you, when you're like consuming art, like 
in any of its capacities and you just feel that sense of like wow like this is oh like, yeah like a sense like of that awe, sensation you're like, like ooh, like or like really cool christmas lights yeah like that that's provocative something that's like captivating yeah captivating uh, is another word i would use i would almost say that. that's inhibitory because like you're so caught up oh pardon in me whatever. pardon me i didn't mean to jump the gun oh no you're good um and then another back to the excitatory another one's one of the originals was like a peak of orgasm you're looking at your sigil you know because at that moment you're not necessarily thinking anything you're in a state of bliss um this is like a bone of contention i yeah don't even mean that like in a euph- as a euphemism <laughs> but like uh i personally uh, uh, just not to be like overly candid but i have not received a lot of personal validation from that from the uh, masturbatory. From the masturbatory sigil launching. Uh, that's like the elephant in the room when it comes um, to this kind of thing. It's just not my thing. I know some yeah. people if that... If you feel weird about it, it might... There's nothing wrong with skipping well. it. Um, if it's not your it's thing. It's not the only thing. Like, you don't have to, like, oh, I have 20 sigils. I have to come 20 <laughs> times. <laughs> like, run a marathon. Like, Ron Jeremy or something. But, uh... <laughs> uh like, I, I have had good success with it. Very well. Uh... But my main, and this goes into the inhibitory, is meditation. Um, So, like, inhibitory is stuff that calms you down, sedates you. Um, You might be able to do it with drugs. Um, I've sort of, like, tried it with alcohol, but I don't know if that's really worked for me. It could work for you. Experiment with it. But, like, you get into a calming state, like, sleepy, you know, the hypnagogic state. Yeah, like I mean, you could use like binaural beats or like yeah. chanting or you know meditative music, mm. and you, I mean, you meditate um, and just get to a very really peaceful place with you know little to no thought, and then you look at and this is I've had great success with this method, and this is the one that Gordon White uh, gives in his book, The Chaos Protocols. Is you get into you do a banishing, look up a banishing if you don't. know This what that is, is like that's actually um, like the like the lesser <laughs> banishing ritual of the pentagram is the most yeah. familiar. This is, I I just want to clarify on yeah. this because this is like a, a very important piece of both of our practices. Is it's a cleansing, yeah, of you, energy. You clear the space of even both good and bad energy. Yes, because you make it sterile. It's it's like wiping a whiteboard clear. Yes. And you're like, all right, we, this is fresh. This is new. We're going to do something new. Right. Like, and that middle pillar ritual yeah. we were talking about, not to get too far ahead, but that middle pillar ritual is basically an invitation yeah. of you where you are taking the celestial entity, the God, the God consciousness, yep. the Jesus consciousness, if you yep. will, and you're Goddess. channeling it from your, from there, you're channeling it through yourself and connecting it to the yep. earth. So you're bringing, inviting you're drawing it into you're, yourself. Yes. You're drawing, you're becoming one with it. So that, it, um, and it, they also say, this is like crystallizing your aura. That's something that Damien Eccles yeah. loves to say. It's something I really resonate with is when you've cleansed your aura, You've cleansed the energy of the room with the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. This is just one example. Then you yep. do the middle pillar ritual. The, the way that I feel after I'm done doing that is just, it's like a spiritual shower. You're it really so, is. It's like a baptism. It's yeah. You're so clean. You're ready to operate. Yes. In a very cohesive way. Yes. Um, but his method is a banishing. Um, what, one that he suggests is... Um, 
imagining your hand going like left and right and you blow away any negative energy of the room you can do it in a circle like a leaf blower just blowing like negative energy dust particles just away clearing it out and you say Hekis, I think it's Hekis, Hekis, Estee, Bebeloy. And I forgot what that meant. Uh, it's something about cleansing the area. Uh, that's easily Googleable. It's very popular in like pagan ritual, I think. Um, so you don't even have to do the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. But that's the one I prefer, is the lesser banishing. So you do that. Um, he suggests you invoke like some sort of god or goddess kind of type archetype that has to do with magic. He personally gives uh, Mary from Christianity or Isis from Egyptian from Egyptian pantheology, but it could be whatever. Right. It, or you don't even have to do it. Right. You know, try it with and without. But then once you do, you invite that magic entity to enhance your working and you have your shoal in front of you so you have whatever three to whatever 20 sigils you get into the meditation and then once you're at a place where you're very calm you know little to no thought you pick up each sigil individually and you look at them and you look at them you let your eyes like defocus and refocus and until like it almost feels like it loses weight or like it feels like the sigil like the energy is no longer trapped in the sigil but it's like let out of a cage and then you set it down and then this is from Austin's spare work um, is you say does not matter need not be because if you're indifferent to it your like expectation of results doesn't keep it away from you you do that for each sigil look at it does not matter, need not be. Does not matter, need not be. And you just diffuse that anticipation of wanting it to happen. Because for a lot of people, that anticipation stops the result from happening. Or it makes it take longer. Because you're like, where is it, where is it, where is it? And you're seeing it's not there, and then you feel anxious about it. And the anxious feeling makes it stay away longer, and... I've experienced a shitload of that. Well, I think of it in in regards to this. Um, uh, it's known as lust of result, right? In magic. And I think a, about this a lot in the theory uh, in a theory of quantum mechanics. Uh, I actually recently have been thinking a lot about this, and uh, the analogy that I would use is my hometown. I actually, I was listening. There's a very famous piece of music by Percy Granger called Irish tune on a country dairy. It's also known as Danny boy. You probably oh, know it yeah. now. The theory is cause Percy Granger lived in Idaho at one point and there's oh, a town called Grangeville in Northern Idaho. And I don't know if the truth is in on this, but I have heard it's named after Percy Granger and that he wrote it when he was in Northern Idaho, looking over these vistas in, or over these valley, this valley into the Vista uh, somewhere in the Northern Idaho range. And he became homesick for Ireland. Okay. Mm. And so he wrote Irish tune on country dairy. Okay. Now um, I, when I get homesick for Idaho, I put that song on. 
Um, and I just listened to it. I think what was Percy Grant? It's a great you, song. It's a beautiful song. It brings me to tears almost every time. Every time. It's good if I need to like emotionally like get to that point where I'm vulnerable and yeah. just like release. I'll throw that on. Now the reason I bring this up is because um, when I first flew the coop uh, when I was 18, went to college. Uh, I left Burley and I put my middle finger up in the air and I was gone. Right. And then as soon as I left, I missed it. Yeah. And this comes back to this idea of you don't miss something until it's gone. Yep. Um, and I remember being in Colorado and just being like, Oh, if I could just go to Idaho for the weekend, like which wasn't feasible cause it was 14 hours away. Um, and I was like, come on, like there's gotta be a way I could just get home for the weekend. Never happened. Um, and then this is the crazy part is I remember I went back for Christmas after my first semester I was in Idaho for like a month. And as soon as I got there, not only was I bored of it, <laughs> but I was just like uninterested. It wasn't even like infatuating so by it. Okay. Right. Now the the <coughs> point that I'm getting at, and I've turned this song on before. Cause like when I tell people about where I'm from, I tell them exactly what I think of when I think of my hometown. I think of these really lush green mountains. They're not as big as Utah mountains, but they're a different kind of mountain. And they're wide and they're so plentiful. And there's crops growing everywhere. There's a lot of green. There's just, and there's the Snake River. The Snake River follows the interstate to my hometown. It's a town of 10,000 people. Everyone knows each other. I'm known by my last name there. My family knows everybody and there's a sense of community camaraderie. I think about like late in July the it about nine thirty, ten o'clock it gets dark out and there's a little bit of moisture on the crops and the stars come out with the moon and there's just not another feeling like it on the planet. The point that I'm yeah, getting at special. though, it, it's <clears throat> here's the thing. When I say that out loud right there, I feel this wave of nostalgia. I'm feeling right now. My hair is sticking up on my arms and I'm just like that. I love that place so much. But when I go there on this physical plane, I don't feel that. Right. It's, it's like it exists more in the memory. It exists more than it, how it is now. Okay. In, now in this is the, this is how I'm going to tie this back into what you were saying about the lust of results. Right. Is magic exists in a quantum place where you, if you try to observe it, it flies away from you. Yeah. The, yeah. If you want magic, it's like the double okay, slit experiment. Now, so it's the same Google thing that with, if you haven't heard of it, if you, if you love something, you let it be right. You let it be as it is. And you just yeah. appreciate it for what it is. That's how I feel about my hometown. I, I will never go back there on this physical plane. I shouldn't say this as an absolute. I have this inclination that I'm never going to go back there and it match the perception of I, it that I have in my heart. And as a matter of fact, I wouldn't want it to because it's not observable that same way because my heart has the perception of what that place is. And when I tell people about it, I can take them there with me in my heart and they can relate to that, whatever their lived experience is. Okay. When it comes to magic, it's the same idea. Even if it's something as simple or mundane as Christmas presents, okay? You bring it into your consciousness from your unconscious state. You tell yourself in confirmation, in supplication, and you submit to knowing that it's the case. It's done. And then it is done. And yeah. And then by done, you let it exist in your peripheral plane of consciousness. The thing is, I mean, if you wanted to make a lot of money, if you wanted to be a millionaire, 
if you were already a millionaire, you wouldn't be like, man, I wish I had a million dollars or like been thinking about it all the time. Like, Hey, I'm a millionaire. I'm a right. million. It would just be a fact of life. And you, your focus would actually be somewhere else. Well, and Cause you, you already have at, your million. When you look at hyper successful people like, um, like Kobe Bryant in the NBA, yeah. like if you listen to like the Mamba mentality and, and the moral objectivity of Kobe Bryant's character, rest in peace. Right. Look, I'm not, I'm not trying to discount or yeah. invalidate that. There's no, but after this, I just want to make sure that I put that out there. Yeah. The point that I'm trying to get at is the, when you talk about the Mamba mentality with Kobe Bryant, like when Kobe, Kobe played basketball and that was an idol of mine when I was a kid because the Lakers were just so dominant Shaq and Kobe. He knew he knew he was a baller. Yeah. He didn't need no one to tell him. He didn't need no one to tell him. He did not have anything to prove to anyone besides himself. Michael Jordan. When I watched that last dance documentary about the Chicago Bulls and their championship runs with Phil Jackson and all those cats, dude, Michael Jordan's a freak. Oh yeah, uh, he is a chaos magician. Yeah, he a lot of them are. Yeah, hyper successful people. You will see a majority of the time they have a cult. They ties. have a cult it's, ties it's whether either, or not they realize it. Yeah, and a lot of the time, like we've whether talked about like this before. Thought. I'm trying to not jump too far ahead, yeah. but like there's a book that was written uh, that's basically making the declaration that Donald Trump is a chaos magician. Oh, he is for sure. And, and yeah. I believe it without a doubt in my mind because when Donald Trump yeah. says something, well, I've read that book. When Donald Trump says something, you said he brings it to life. You're you're talking about Dark Star Rising. Yes, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, read yeah. it. Who wrote that? Gary Lockman, who used to be the basis of Blondie, that's is what a it current. Is. Well, I don't know about current, but he was a long time a member of the OTO. OTO, right? Uh, um, the, the point that I'm getting at though, just to close this up, uh, you know, this, this bit is right. <laughs> if you could call it that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, you, when you try to take something that you love or that you want yeah. and, uh, sometimes this can be very similar to the same thing Yeah. and you put it in your front of your face and you just try to look at it as what it is and you force it there. It's like trying to hold a cat that don't want to be picked up. Yeah. It's not that they don't love yes. you. They just don't want it. Yeah. Instead, just you just let the cat roam around the room and you love them as they are. I've yeah. learned that with my cats. Like the, my cats have taught me so much about just like being in the same room with another yeah. spirit and just like letting them be. And if they approach me, that's kick ass and I will give them all the love in the world, but I will give them that same love if it's not something that yeah. I need to be observing them. Yeah. You know, and, and that just comes back to magic. That comes yeah. back to like, just Less like result, love in general. Um, it just is like when you decide it, you have to convince yourself it already is. And then you let it go. You can revisit it yes. to sort of recharge it, but you have to, in my experience, you have to give it time where you let it go and you don't even remember it. Well, I've days had, or weeks even. So like me um, living in Salt Lake, like I said, I, I'm really burning the popcorn on this topic, but I just no, want to flush out this last little bit. I spent so much time practicing magic to arrive in Salt Lake city. And then once I did, I was like, Whoa, I'm here. And it yeah. was surreal. And then now I'm starting to get acclimated yeah. to the point that it's normal. Like I live here and not only on the emotional, spiritual plane, but on the physical plane. Okay. So it's, it's hyper realistic to me because I'm existing here in multiple planes of consciousness. Now, like my spirit resides here. Okay. Yeah. So this morning I was thinking, you know, I was like, man, how come I don't appreciate this more? Like, I was like, golly, I need to find more ways to appreciate this. Well, the and, then I, and then I was like, kind of in creating it. And that was, because once you have it, you're like, well, that's done. What's next? That's the you thing know? is like, that's hard. It's, it's easy to take pretty much anything you manifest for granted because once re- it's here, it's hard to really yeah. internalize and conceptualize and accept that it's here. 
you know, and that's with other magic I've had. It's like hard to believe that it's happened. You know, it's like, and then you just accept it for what it is. But yeah, uh, wait, one more. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, please, no. You got just because we did, for. just because we did the uh, sigils and we did the gnosis, and uh, you can basically do anything that you can possibly think of to induce gnosis. Just really funny. And be, um, uh, I just want to add the caveat here, just because I think saying this out loud is just really healthy. Harm no one and be safe. Yeah. And that is yep. a mantra that I say with magic all the time, especially yeah. when I'm like teaching somebody. Or, you know, let this happen in a way that harms none and helps all. And that or, includes you. Yeah. That includes yes. you. Um, so <laughs> I found a really funny way. Um, and this came, there was this last podcast on the left episode where they did a, a segment on chaos magic. And Ben was like, could you fart on a sigil like as Gnosis? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, so I'm going to try something here. Um, so, I mean, it's like pretty similar. So I made a sigil at work and I waited until I had to just piss really bad. Like my bladder was. So, had a little technical difficulty yeah, there, but we're right back. there. Right <laughs> when I was talking about my pee, my computer crashed. So I had to reload it. Thankfully, uh, the file saved. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, where I was at, so I was at work, I created a sigil, I waited till I had to pee really bad, and I just made a sigil literally on, like, a post-it, like, that's how easy this is, and I waited till my bladder was freaking full, and I went to the bathroom i took it with me i put it in my pocket so no one would like see me looking at this piece of paper and peeing and be like what's going on (laughs) so i went into the urinal not the urinal i went into the stall so no one could see me with the piece of paper and i looked at it and just started peeing relieving myself and i had to pee real bad so that's part of that gnosis is like you feel really good i i don't know if that would be inhibitory but uh it might be just the relief the feeling of relief while looking at it and I, I don't remember if I repeated it out loud, if no one was in there, or if I just said it in my head three times. And I just looked at it, finished, finished the nice pee, and uh, felt really good about it. And then I tore it into pieces and flushed it. I know that's probably not a great thing because you're not supposed to flush like paper down the toilet. And don't worry, I don't do it anymore. Um, <laughs> like. You know, like with the wipes and stuff, it clogs like the pipes, and there's right. all, like a huge environmental thing about it. Piss uh, it on your sigils and flush, you know, damn it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the insane thing. It was such a silly, silly method of gnosis, and I didn't even think it was work. But the sigil was for a ten thousand dollar raise at that job, and there was a series of events that happened with it was two to three months, and I got that amount it ended up being like almost like a 25 percent raise yeah to like my my wages and it, it worked but from a pee so sigil sick. a pee sigil so sick <laughs> so I, see and i love how provocative that is even. yeah um so silly you know one of the things i i also wanted to add and I, this is like perhaps anecdotal but i i want to tie this in because now that we have that technical difficulty i'm feeling like i want to go in this direction perhaps yeah sure um, sure sure tarot mm, i am not an expert not i am very me either well it's um, i think let's it's talk about the, divination it's to the point <laughs> it's to the point where i think 
you're way more comprehensive of it than I am. Astrology and tarot uh, became really fun for me because it's basically like as a kid, I was obsessed with Lord of the Rings because I had a really cool dad who encouraged that. Right. But also because of the world building, um, like just the details that you could go into in creating this like world yeah. and then it's coherence and cohesion yeah. and how like all these things are happening that are affecting each other. I mean, it's well, great. It's and a, the world sort of creates itself at that point. It's, right. it's like you're, I mean, Lord of the Rings started with J.R.R. Tolkien writing a language. It's like you're remote then, viewing essentially like an existing dimension. Oh, I have a belief that and just, you're just pulling what actually happened in that dimension out. And right. that's why it's so like fully fleshed. I have a coherent. extreme belief that when you read a book and you go into that hallucinatory state where you're like hallucinating, experiencing yeah. the book, it's magic. Yeah, it's magic. It's 100% it's magic. Because you go to a place, yeah. you go to a plane of consciousness where you're in an alternate reality. And it exists. It does exist. And it's totally real in the moment. Okay, so let's talk about tarot and astrology because I think that they do go hand in hand. Um, and this is something I want to go into. Um, I used to be a huge astrology skeptic. I still am. Uh, I like to be like a healthy skeptic about it. But uh, how I really view astrology and tarot is through the union concept, which is... Uh, you taking your unconscious and your conscious states and giving them meanings and giving them physical representations. Mm. And so it's like, I'm a Pisces. Um, I fit all of the archetypal traits of a Pisces, right? Like down to a science. Okay. Is that because I am a Pisces or is it because I see myself through the lens of being a Pisces and therefore that's the case. Now, now I think it's, I think it's both. I think it's both. I think they do a dance together. Right. I think you can even add in more for like triangulation. I think there's another way to even look at it. Um, and that's how I view tarot too. So like with the tarot, it's a, I believe like 52 card deck and the cards all have a different meaning to them. And you basically through divination, ask a question, you shuffle around the tarot deck, however it is you want. There are a lot of people who have so many opinions about this. I think it's all horseshit. Do whatever yeah. you want. Yep. Um, yeah, you can buy your own deck. It and doesn't then, have to be given to you and or then whatever. You, yes, I hate that. You can just I, go That's so lame. That's store. so lame. Yeah, like, yeah. be punk rock about it. Go buy one just, just to it. tell them to fuck off. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's like, uh, there's like this You old have to be gifted your tarot, tarot in order for it to be... <laughs> lame. And also, you can read tarot from any deck. Okay, so this is where I'm going. Uh, uh, now, I uh, don't want to get too far ahead because yeah, this ahead. is going to get cool. Um with the tarot, you ask the question and then you can do like a one card spread, a three card spread. I've done 12 card spreads before uh, and you use the cards and their meanings. You do, you learn what the meanings are behind the cards and then you explain what your unconscious and your conscious states are thinking. Okay. So today I just, I'm going to be vague, but I had a question about something that I've been experiencing in my life. I did a tarot reading. I got a 10 of cups. Okay. 10 of cups is like the Disney ending. That's what you, the answer is. It's like everything that you were expecting happens. It all lines up. Everything's thematic. And then boom, there you are. Okay. So I had asked a question about something that I was going to be doing in the day and I went and did it. Okay. Um, and then it fell apart. Kind of, it did not end like a Disney ending. Uh, and so it's like in that affectation of it, tarot isn't real because I had this expectation for what I was going to be receiving from what the tarot deck said. I used that as a confidence boost to go do this thing. Then it didn't happen. But 
I think that's part of it. And I think that that's really where I view tarot and where I view the Zodiac now, especially is the happy ever after ending, I think has a bigger meaning. Like for me, what I'm taking from it, even now thinking about it is it was a reminder of everything that I have in this moment and knowing that it is the Disney picture perfect ending that I was looking for three months ago. Yeah. And that was like a that's reminder. Be, uh, that's fishy and finicky. In right. A way. And it's in like, it's so like the, like the tarot is all about perspective. Like there's this like archaic thing with like witchy folk. And I'm not trying to put anyone down uh, at like uh, face level. I'm trying to like really draw this out to make sense. But I've been with people before who like, when you draw the tower, they're like, oh my God, you drew the tower. And like I'm just like, or you draw death or draw the devil. Yeah. And it's like, oh, f- stop, yeah. stop. Don't like, there are I don't so many. See occultism so as that. I don't see magic as that. Yeah. yeah. It's death like, doesn't mean like physical death could be mean de- like an ending of a stage in life. Or and now you can even go further with that. If it does or, mean death in that regard, like that's a celebration. Like I'm not saying go look for it, but like. Right. But like, what's wrong with that? You know, it's like, I, th- I think yeah. that there's just so many like misguided things. Like I, I just, death is such a four letter word in our culture yeah. and, and that's like a whole nother thing. So it's like death. We've often viewed death as a punishment yeah. <laughs> and instead of a celebration yeah. because we think death is so final, uh, to something besides the, uh, conscious plane that we exist on right. and it's, or the material plane that we exist yeah. on. I don't think that it happens as a ceremonial death in the conscious in the least after uh, the LSD that I've done. No, sorry. There's yeah. no way that the consciousness dies with the spirit um, or with the body rather. Yeah. Um, and that's something you may have to convince yourself if you're kind of like atheistic about it. Um, it might not be true. I'm not uh, like, well, cause I mean, I can say I've personally had like astral projection experiences and um, kind of like poltergeist experiences. Sure. Um, that make me really. I mean, I I personally believe consciousness goes on, but I can't prove that to somebody else. Like they they would have to experience it in a subjective way and um, through their lived experiences. Yes, that's something that I have been realizing more and more in this world it's, that we live in. Is you cannot it might be one of those paradoxes. You cannot live someone else's lived experiences the same way you can't expect somebody to understand your lived experiences. Yeah, and so now with the tarot and with divination, like this is the kind of thing where it's like your subconscious just is and to explore it, it through divination is to give a name to those things that you're thinking about subconsciously. Now Jung talks yeah. about, he had this therapy session with this lady who was having problems with her husband. So she'd come to therapy to deal with this. I mean, and this is very misogynistic, but for the times, this is a good teaching purpose. Um, Jung asked her what she thought about her relationship with her husband. And she goes, well, I I don't know. And I can't tell you how many times I've, yeah. I, I've been having a conversation, like a very difficult conversation with a friend where I'm just like really working on being an active listener, which takes effort from me. Yeah. And then I Same. ask them the question of like, what do you think is going on here? Just to make sure that I'm like participating and just like, and I'm meaning it sincerely and they don't know. Okay. Yeah. But now here's what Jung did. He said, what do you think I think 
of your relationship with your Ooh, husband. She goes, oh, well, here's exactly what I think. And then she just goes on this whole entire tirade, okay? Yeah. So she puts everything on the it table. Pulls that barrier Yes, down. because she's projecting what she th- subconsciously wants to experience and say out loud yeah. into the void. And she's putting it into a straw man, which was in this case, Jung. And then you go, okay, yeah. let's talk about this because that's not me. You're not me. Well, and this is how I feel about the tarot. I think that the tarot is the same thing. Like when, yeah. like if you drew the ten of cups today, I drew it's the ten of cups. Today. Yeah, we would both we interpret it differently, in a com- completely, completely miles and that's, away, and that's worlds the best away. Part. That's the um, best part. And there's a oh, I forgot what it is. There's a type of therapy where you go and you basically have like an itinerary or a list of thoughts to go through. And I think it's sounding board therapy. Okay. And the therapist literally just like repeats back to you what you say. Yo. And then just hearing it from them makes you think about it in a different way, in a new way, in a better way, yeah, a more cohesive way. I love that. That's kind of like tarot a little bit. I, I mean, and the thing for me, like the really good thing that I receive from tarot is like, if I'm feeling like really overwhelmed, like if I, cause I've been doing a lot of ancestral work and I'd like to remain vague on this, but what I mean by that is like just really tapping into my ancestors and what I view to be guides and like, what they are wanting me to explore within myself to lift up our family, which is now me. Yeah. Sometimes I get done with that is really heavy, you know? And so I love to consult the tarot because it feels like I'm decompressing my stream of consciousness. Yeah. Um, And because there's a lot of paranormal activity that I experienced during these kinds of things. Yeah. That's the thing is uh, with ancestor work, that can be one way to induce paranormal. Activity. Oh, 100%. Um, I had, and it's not scary by the way. Well, uh, I would well, first time, put maybe a caveat on that. And I, say, I'm saying it's not like horror movie, <laughs> right? Uh, it's a different type of but, fear. I mean, if you see, and I have, and I'm, I'm fine with admitting this. Like I've seen a door, like a doorknob turn and open, but it was a very non-aggressive way. Right. Uh, by itself. I've seen um, uh, energy channels out of the corner of my eyes. I yeah. see them a lot. And this is something that's really a common in the occult community is discussing, like seeing the energy channels from the corners of your eyes. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, I, I, I even hate saying it because I know it sounds so abstract and like a lot of people just write it off, which is fine. That's, that's fine. Yep. If that's like, I, I really, it, it's, yeah. I could not care less personally. No offense. I'm just being honest. The reason that I bring that up though, is just because it can just be a lot emotionally, like when you're experiencing this thing. But what I'm getting at with the tarot is like, it's a place for me to like disseminate what I'm thinking. Cause I have a symbol and it's like, I read the meaning behind the symbol and then I choose to extrapolate from my consciousness. I, I love doing free form journal entry about what I think about that tarot card. And then yeah. I t- I, like, I'll go to like the first childhood memory I have, or the first like traumatic memory. Like if it's a heavy card, like I was drawing, dude, I was drawing nine of swords yeah. reversals for like a month, which is like this one about like letting go of a piece of the past and letting it just become a part of you mm. and let it be a memory instead of like a recurring punishment. And I hate getting that card because every time I'm like, alrighty, there's some like major turbulent shadow work that's coming. I- I'm actually to the point now that I get it and I'm like, okay, like I've yeah. done this dance before it's gonna hurt and i'm gonna be better off for it eventually so it's like a little different now but point that i'm getting at is with the tarot i just cannot recommend enough if you're looking to like explore your unconscious mind that this is a thing and now this is something i haven't told jordan about but i had this dream well 
it was in the hypnagogic state, which is like right before you fall asleep or right when you're waking up. There's like this yeah. moment where you're it's, like, it's where you experience also like sleep paralysis. Yes, and you sometimes see I like those shadow people. Experience the most profound spiritual uh, affect in the hypnagogic state. Personally, it's like one of my favorite places to like be when I'm working these kinds of concepts or practices. Um, so I'm in this trance, and I started having a thought about the tarot and a conversation that I'd had with a friend about how essentially. Um, when you shuffle a playlist, so like, let's say everybody's got a playlist, right? The, like the one that you put on, okay. You shuffle it. You put that song on that's divination because like what you're thinking about that song is your subconscious speaking to you because you shuffled that randomly. Like if you've ever been in a breakup and then like some breakup song comes on and just affects you in a horrible way. It's your subconscious talking now. (laughs) So this is something, uh, we're launching, with this podcast, we're having social media. We're also going to have a Patreon. Uh, we haven't really discussed in detail this. We just want it to be something that we can use the finances to continue to feel this and yeah. make it like something special costs and, and authentic, uh, like equipment stuff. Yeah, um, I, making is, it sound really good. Neither of us are looking for yeah. this as a get rich quick scheme. No. I don't want to speak on both of our behalf, but yeah, not the reason to, I'm like, bringing up the Patreon on is because I had a thought in this hypnagogic state, and it's something I'm really excited on. We have not got there yet, but um, I am making a music version of the tarot. And so each tarot card is represented by a song and those songs are inside of a playlist. And so then instead of using physical cards, you can use them in tandem. I haven't really experimented with it enough yet, but I'm getting there. When, oh, that's pretty cool. Actually. Yeah. So that's a cool you idea. can ask a question with the tarot, press shuffle. Now you have a song then, playing. Yeah. Click to the next. Uh, yes. Yeah. And you can just, yes, you see where I'm going now. This is my favorite thing. Eckhart Tolle says this thing about songs that I just love. Um, I, I have such an affinity for music. I feel like we all do. And some of us have accepted yeah. it. Some of us haven't. Cause I've never met somebody that don't like uh, music. Uh, by the way, um, we're both like huge musician nerds. We've been playing. Oh yeah. Since before we were 10 yeah um, yeah i started piano lessons when i was seven yeah six me, me at six. eight so um, um yeah um the this digital tarot though um coming back to this eckhart Tolle idea like art is so special and magnificent i think it's one of the most sacred and important things that you get to experience in this life when you look at visual art you know and you're moved by it i think of like pointillism paintings i've seen that have like brought me to tears um you're that that art is expressing the human condition on the physical plane, right? Like I'm not yeah. trying to like box it into a corner cause it can be more than that, but like traditionally in, right. in, in our culture, that's what it is. Music in our culture. Now this is where it gets really special is music is an explanation of the human condition and it decorates time. Yeah. So like for me personally, like since I can remember, I have always struggled with, being impatient and antsy and bounce around the walls and I'm never like sat still and and it's it's been something that like has troubled me to the point of like lots of tears and frustrations it's cost me relationships it's cost me friendships yeah same uh, for me and it's it hurts because it's a part of me it's a part of me it's not going nowhere as it's, we sit here for like fidgeting yeah the both whole of time. us have something in our hands we're like going you know <laughs> um but there's something that happens when music comes on for me. I enter this trance. And I remember the first time it happened to me when I was a kid that the jungle book came on 
and my parents and I were watching it together. My grandparents were there, and that song, I Want to Be Like You, came on. And I got up. I was it like slaps. four or five, and I just started dancing, and my grandparents were laughing. They were happy, and my parents were laughing. Yeah. They were happy. And I remember I was like really insecure at four or five that my family was like laughing at me dancing, but then I remember like looking at them, and I remember asking like, do you not like get it? Like this is, I mean, I didn't say it's so sophisticated. I'm sure. But I remember this being my intent is like, uh, like this is forcing me to get up and move yeah. like this music. It, and it like took it. Well, that, I think like, it brings fidgety. you to the present. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. So this I, is, I know your and I's minds are always somewhere else. Okay. So this music is brings where I'm back. getting at. Yeah. Okay. So like, and, and I just want to close that last little childhood memory of like all the, it's like a real, one of my favorite memories of all time is, me, my grandparents, and my parents, and anyone who knows my parents knows that this is like so far out of their comfort zone, my grandparents' comfort zone. I didn't realize it at the time. I'm four or five, right? We're all just like dancing around the house. I'm like making my parents and my grandparents like march with me to the song on the TV. And we were all just like so alive. Yeah. I like didn't even think anything of it, but like I just think of, and when I think about music, I think about that memory a lot. Um, because for me with the tarot, and this is something that I'm that I started thinking about with this audio tarot is you don't listen to a song to get to the end of it. You listen to a song to be with it. It brings you right into the moment, and yep. there you are. There's not another experience like it. Yeah, it's my my one of my favorite quotes of all time is from the Miles Davis autobiography. It's the first line of the autobiography. Music is the best thing I ever did with my clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love That's it. I remember good. reading that and just being like, yeah, dude. Like, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, what I'm, my intention with this tarot deck is, uh, we're going to put it on the Patreon. Um, it, I, we haven't discussed the logistics. I just know it's going to yeah, be there. It'll we'll, be down we'll the pipeline. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even started or done. So, but the point that I'm getting at is like, what I'm choosing to try to do with this is like, you shuffle, you ask for a question, you get the song going. And then you just occupy space with that song and you let your subconscious answer that question. Okay. Now what you choose to do with that in that present moment is your business. But when we're talking about gnosis, when we're talking about this experience of this hypnagogic state, like this occult, like principle of like this meditative state, this personally, I haven't even tried it yet. I just know that it's just going to pull you into the present moment and you're going to just experience this like so crystal clear. So I, I'm inviting all of you once that's ready to please check that out. That's going to be so sick. Just talking about it gets me so excited. But um, yeah, that's we were going to talk about more, but that's about all I have. The, what did you, the problem did you have to add? is like we could I mean, we had a list here, uh, but we have just the gift to the gift Dive. of the gab, as E yeah. said. So we, yeah, we can take anything and stretch it into five hours. And um, yeah. So I guess uh, the only other thing is, uh, so we got, I have social medias up. Um, we will be posting on there. We'll be hopefully getting in some hot meme action. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's fake magic pod. And that's, magic m-a-g-i-c-k all one word fake magic pod and then at twitter it is fake magic with a k at the end and that's it yeah follow us and uh, we'll be posting when we 
do new stuff and all that. Yeah. Um, I just want to say before we go, uh, we're really thankful for all of you that are listening. Um, and we love you. We do. That's it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Till next time.